Hey everybody, welcome back for the profit. We are season one or season four now, episode one. Stay tuned. We're coming right back. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Da, 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 da. Now I don't know if this is the profit. Let's hear this. So, well, it's somebody's profit. I like the but screen. It's good, though. <laughs> yeah, keep letting that play. This we said we'd roll with this. It's like a little uh, little trucker. It must be called the profit. Oh. that's cool. It's good though. It's good. Yeah, stuff. I like it. Welcome, it works. welcome everyone. Welcome. We are back with episode. Actually, we're season four, episode one, which is very, very exciting because we get to record not in retrospect now. Right. We get to go live with these episodes, which Real is really, time. really exciting. Yeah. Real time. Woo. And uh, I'm Chris Howard, and you can reach me during this broadcast. I mean, I'm going to put my phone right here. You can reach me at, at, <laughs> uh, at Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. Also, go to legendarylivingdaily.com for tips, motivation, inspiration, entrepreneurial information. You're going to love it. And legendarylivingtv.com for YouTube. And over here, we have the one, the only, the lovely... Katarina Kazayas. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to you too, Chris. Thank you. I love being here on Tuesday nights with you. Thank you. I, I know this very. This is a lot of fun. It's going to be fun. I'm absolutely. excited. I'm excited. Yeah. And for you at home, you can catch up with me uh, after the show, after After Buzz, uh, via She's my Twitter. She's at the local bar. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that. Uh, via my Twitter, it's Kazayas Katarina. Now, it used to be Katarina Kazayas. It's Kazayas Katarina. So please note that change. Instagram is still Katerina Kazayas. So in any variation of those two names, you'll find me. You're the only uh, one. I'm, I'm, and I'm the only one. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I don't have one of those like Lisa Smith, Jane Doe type of names. So I'll take it. Okay. Now, now Katerina Kazayas. Now, why did you change the, you put the last name first? Why did you do that? Uh, you know, I had a Twitter issue. Twitter just stopped allowing me to tweet out. No kidding. Yeah. And I hit them up. I hit up their support team. I hit up. Uh, every possible way to try to access them to say, hey, my account's busted. Wow. So I lost almost 4,000 followers. My God. I had to start from scratch. I have 150 friends right now Somebody on help this girl. So here we are. We're taking up a campaign. We're raising so friends like for Katarina. please like my page because I, I, I feel like one of those people that just, you know, what got out of bed this morning. Yeah, and It's totally like, you know, I mean, you hear about people that get hit by the floods right. or that uh, have <laughs> natural disasters and stuff. And this is... This uh, is a Twitter, Twitter you look catastrophe. At Katarina, yeah, and this is just my as sad. Goodness. This is equally as sad. No, my I'm just kidding. Goodness. But... Friend her because she needs it. Please friend uh, me. Where do they go? So they go to Kazias Katerina on Twitter. Got it. Yes. And you can also catch up with me um, via my website as well. It's called globalgab.com. That's global-gab. And I gab with you about a lot of the top trending international headlines. We know. So there was just a, uh, a big earthquake. I don't know if you know that. No. About 30 minutes ago in Italy. 6.2 on the Richter scale. Wow. And I have a good buddy of mine. My buddy Billy's in Italy right now. So be safe, Billy. Be safe, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and speaking of earth-shaking uh-huh. <gasps> uh, episodes, we've got here... The the first episode, season four of The Prophet. And this is a, a whole lot of fun to be back for this. Once again, we get to do this live because we were doing, we were recapping the shows after the fact. For uh, season three. For season right. three, yeah. yeah. So we were doing it in the middle of the day, but we were passionate about right. it. So we came <laughs> and we recorded these things. Now we've got 
the episode that's happening, it's happened on the East Coast. Right. We're we're before the West Coast airing of this show. So you can actually catch us as the pre-show after show. That's right. So our job is to get you very excited to go watch this episode. Oh, yeah. Or to give you post-commentary for those of you that have already seen it. So, um, All right. Let's get into it. Yeah. So Farrell's Ice Cream Store. Did you know Farrell's when you were growing Farrell's up? Farrell's Ice Cream Parlor. Well, I'm not from California. Um, apparently, there's five Farrell's in California. I just got here six months ago, so okay. <laughs> so no. Although it seems like a great ice cream parlor, restaurant, Farrell's candy store, was, I would love to go. Yeah, it was awesome when I was when I was growing up. I remember they had one in Palm Springs that I okay. went to. That was the first one that I saw. And Farrell's is amazing. It's a, yeah. it's it's a whole. It's got its own culture, its own ambiance, mm. its own uh, its own flavor. Kind of that so. old school. Well, they said it, it. I think it was founded in 1963. Correct by so Bob Farrell was his last time. his first name. Bob. Bob. Bob Farrell did Bob it. Farrell. Yeah. So that yeah. was uh, quite some time ago. And so the store went. Uh, they had at one point 180 different locations. They ended up closing them all down, and these guys reopened it. Which, uh, which when I saw it, I, it's it's fascinating to me that somebody would want to breathe new life into it. Uh, and at first, I'm I'm really excited, and I'm excited that Marcus is a part of it. What yes. did, you know, oh, how'd absolutely. you feel about the? Uh, well, that's what I wanted to ask you was because I know you're you're native here. Yeah. Um, were you? Did you get that feeling? Did you get taken back to your youth? Um, I t- totally. Yeah. 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 For me, this is uh, it's a it's a great opportunity. It's a great iconic brand mm-hmm. and it's a great opportunity for Marcus to have in his portfolio so I'm getting excited by how many companies he's got in this portfolio now uh, and he's uh, you know he made a great deal here by bringing this mm-hmm. on tonight uh, and he was able to whip the team into shape let's yes. uh, why don't we take it from the beginning right, of the episode yeah let's go so uh, we come in we start with uh, Mike and Paul Yes. Uh, so they're uh, running the store. So Mike had launched this store. Paul was uh, Paul was in charge sort of, of the operations. Oh, I would say, yeah. yeah. So Mike CEO and, and operations under Paul. Did we get how much equity they each owned? No, no? I didn't catch that. Okay. No. Yeah. So not sure exactly how much they both own. If, if they were uh, full on partners, mm-hmm. it seemed to me that Mike was kind of running the show. I think Mike had a, probably a bigger stake in it. Right. He seemed like the boss. Boss. Yeah. We got that, uh, and he didn't seem very good at it either, did no. he? <laughs> yeah, so um, they said right at the top of the episode that they had opened seven locations, mm-hmm. probably grew too fast, too soon. Uh, that's uh, oftentimes a, a problem inside organizations like this, and especially mm-hmm. in, I, I take it these weren't franchises. They were more, uh, they were all owned. Right, they were all owned, the, yeah. and uh, the, part, one of the mistakes they made, I think, was the fact that they didn't, although they were separate stores, right. they were very distinct in look and feel. Right. And Marcus, one of Marcus's points later in the episode, I'm jumping ahead, sorry folks, but uh, is to, to kind of bring it back and give a common you know, theme right. throughout. And one of the problems they had, which uh, we see time and time again with any of these mm-hmm. uh, organizations that roll out big, is that they roll out their dysfunction from right. the first location. You know, so that was you know they had a couple of uh, a couple of them that were profitable. Actually, three that were profitable out of uh, what was it? Uh, well, there's five existing now. Yeah, it was so four out had, of seven. Right, tells us that they closed two down, mm-hmm. right? And they're still in the red with two out of the five. Well, I think they closed those two down. I think right. that's what. Oh, uh, let's two out of the uh, four out of the seven, right? Yeah, let me just mm-hmm. see because they might have. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So they had Buena Park, Brea, Riverside, Rancho, uh, Rancho Cucamonga, <laughs> and what was the last one? 
Do you remember? Uh, Bueno Park? No, nope, I don't. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, so they had five there. I don't know why yeah. I got seven. I don't know where front, you got seven because I remember five. Two out of the five are losing money. Maybe I just have this uh, obsession with expansion. Different, different candy store. I, it could be. I, I'm just obsessed with expansion. That's <laughs> the problem. Uh, but, but so were they. And so they found that they were not getting best practices into mm-hmm. all the stores and rolled out correctly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, you've been in the business world for uh, quite some time in the mm-hmm. corporate world. Have mm-hmm. you? seen examples of that in yes i think life? i yeah. think one of the biggest problems in managing a business is the management mm-hmm. if management isn't strong you're not going to get the strength coming up the ranks very very infrequently right uh, and i think mike for as much as his heart is in this business right um he was ill placed as ceo uh he was in unable to manage the the, the business the numbers the uh, the people and you know it's the three P's that Marcus always talks about: people, people, product, and uh, process. Process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going to say performance or profits, and then we were all to be all Is screwed it, up. Like yeah. The wrong P. You <laughs> There's said the five wrong P's. P's. There's not three P's. No. So um, what's interesting about this is, and what I found fascinating was when Marcus said. The job of the CEO is to be a coach, mm. and you're not being a good coach. No, he was throwing everyone under the bus. Right. He was. He was terrible. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. You were. You were. You were. You were just a mean guy. He had a. He had a sweetheart. You could tell right. that his heart was in the business. Yeah. That he cared about the brand. You could even tell that he cared from a human perspective right. with Paul. I mean, they were. You know, Paul was having a cry, and Mike's putting his arm around him. Yeah. You thought it was going to get a little weird. You know, you a little <laughs> pornographic music coming out. No, there was no pornographic music. But you thought it. it, it didn't you? Find, I found that a strange moment. I found it like. Well, it was a strange moment because throughout the course of the episode, Mike kept throwing poor Paul under the bus. Right. Blaming him. You know, when, when at every turn. Paul just doesn't have it. He and doesn't then, have the skills. And then he at the end, the he talent. said to him, "You're my best buddy." And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's how you treat your buddies. Right. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, one, one of the taglines for this is lifetime memories are made. You know, Ferrell's is where lifetime memories are made. And I think Mike really wanted to give people that experience. Yeah. He just wasn't the right person to be in that position. Well, that's the power. thing. His heart was so yeah. much in it, but he's just not a good right. manager of mm-hmm. people. He's, uh, which, is, which is fascinating because one would think that it's the same skills that it takes to uh, get the, you know, he was able to elicit within the employees the mm-hmm. singing and all of that to capture the ambiance and the spirit. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't able to translate that into a management style where he was able to do the exact same thing. And I think you saw that reflected also in his choice of HR manager, who he subsequently put into the position of merchandising manager as well. Boy. So here you have. A person that's running your merchandising, who's also running your HR, who really shouldn't be running either one, in my opinion. Yeah, you don't uh, put that Sandy, girl in charge sorry, of the candy Sandy, store. Right? Yeah, you were you were ill ill positioned, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, so we, yeah, and I, that's nice how you said it, ill positioned, mm. because you don't come down on the person. You just say that maybe they're in the wrong place. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, so in HR, maybe she's going to be fantastic in running the candy store. She sucked. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she and what was what was interesting was when she said, that's my favorite thing to do. Just as Marcus is kicking her out of the candy store to give it over to Shauna. Um, so, yeah, he was giving it over to Shauna. Yeah. yeah. And Sandy says, that's my favorite thing to do. It's not going to make me very happy. Have you ever been in a position like that? I know I have from a management perspective where where somebody's heart was in something mm-hmm. or they seemed attached to it, but they sucked at it. And then it's a it's a weird and awkward space where some a change has to be made. Yeah. And if you let it be awkward, 
mm-hmm. you might end up backing down from doing what you need to do. Well, I think if you let it be awkward, you run the risk of lessening your efficiency. Right. And, you know, it's detrimental to the business. Efficiency, so you have to be able to make those tough decisions as a manager, which clearly Marcus came in and did. Right. So that's where wanting to be liked can get you into mm-hmm. a lot of trouble. So, and they say it's much better to be respected than mm-hmm. to be liked. Well, and they also say it's lonely at the top, and that's why. Yeah. Yeah, right. it can be. Because <laughs> people go home and throw voodoo dolls at you. Know, right. Throw... <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the reality is not everybody's going to like you. Actually, that was a huge learning for me and lesson on my life path and my uh, path mm-hmm. in business mm-hmm. is that not everybody's going to like you, and it's okay. Yeah. And if you if you rise to a high enough position, you're going to have 50% of the people that hate you. You know, when you look at politics in, sure, in modern day, or even yeah. you look at a Martin Luther King Jr., he had a lot of people that hated him, mm-hmm. or even a Mother Teresa. She sure. had her haters. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, the respect, though, is necessary. I mean, it's great that they like you. The, the people seem to like Marcus, but mm-hmm. I get the sense that they all respect him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating for me. What else did we have here? We had, uh, they went first to the Buena Park, uh, location. location was their most successful location. Right. And I think they were, they were, um, bringing in about, uh, 350,000 a month. Well, yeah. What was fascinating, yeah. here's where Marcus asked Paul, he said, how much are you doing? And he said, oh, we're at about 4 million. Right. And then million. Mike said, no, we're not doing that much. And so there was a, some discord in terms of what they were really doing. And well, and then that's the problem though. You think the two people at the top of your business would know their general revenue number yeah you know, what, what's your what's your revenue what's your sales what what are your um you know they didn't seem to know what's the your business profit margin well. i mean they didn't they couldn't come up with any of those right stats. and you know what to be fair i mean i've had times where i i didn't know that stuff and i've had to be schooled in becoming better and better at it sure. right now i'm doing an audit on my last business going through the financials okay, how's of that oh my god <laughs> are the gray hairs coming it's, in yeah no yeah. yeah gray hairs and uh yeah no all sorts of stuff it's okay it's crazy. and, and I understand that. I can appreciate your point. But if you're Mike and Paul, and this has been your business for the last 10, 15 years, you would, you would think, know by now. I mean, come on. That's inexcusable to me. Yeah, you would think so. You know, yeah. like in my last business, though, I really didn't know all the mm-hmm. aspects of it. I mean, I didn't know the financial side because mm-hmm. I had the, there was a head of finance. That's part of what got me into trouble, too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I had a head of finance that knew the financials okay. while I was out delivering and selling. So everybody was in their roles. Sure. Um, but yeah, it can get you in a lot of trouble if you're not aware of. All if you, the if you're not at least on top of it. If you have your yeah. finger on the pulse, right? Mm. Now that's a fine line, though, between trusting somebody and giving them autonomy. Right. The autonomy to run that portion of that division for you. Right. Especially if it's a because I, I had in my situation it was a business partner and he was very bulldogish about mm. not giving it up. What I had to do that I did wrong was don't don't be bulldogged bulldogged over. Mm. That's where you got to stand up and say, "Hey, this is my business. This right. is I, I am going to know these numbers." Mm-hmm. You, you know, and gotcha. uh, so a learning lesson for you. Yeah, a learning right. lesson for me. Mm-hmm. But when you see here, just for me, it's once again about being really clear about boundaries inside the workplace of so those, those relationships. In terms of role definition? Role definition, which we saw in this episode, there was, you know, with Mike being, I mean, the whole thing became a, a game in redistribution of power and uh, a redefinition of mm. the roles. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I think essentially what Marcus really made it work in this episode was in, you know, clearing up the issues between uh, Shonda and Sandy. Uh, Sandy. Mm-hmm. Um, between, or was it Shonda? Yeah, yeah Shonda and Sandy. Shonda and Sandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also getting Mike out of uh, Paul's hair and giving Mike a role that was really going to suit him, Giving right. putting Sandy where she was going to be best. Mm-hmm. So there's just a whole cutting and out new what, roles. What I find fascinating is that Marcus comes in 
for you know just a few days assesses mm -hmm. the business does his due diligence and he's able to pick this out like boom right. boom 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 yeah. you know and and um he's got a talent for that he really does he does he's a, got an a eye for job. you know people for, for people in placement now we're launching the new season here marcus we need you on the show we're we would get... love to have you on the show marcus yes. if you're through la please hit us up because it would be fascinating to have you on here he is look at this they were in buena park they were yes. in uh, so we know you're they're, they're gonna we come know, back through here <laughs> we know you're listening marcus we know you hear us <laughs> you can't hide forever. Sure. We want you on the show here to uh, to help with the big launch, and uh, we'll we'll promote you. Yeah. So reach out, touch someone. <laughs> uh, so here we uh, let's see what else did we have? We had this, so let's talk about the candy store a little bit. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts about the candy store? So the store, I mean, Farrell's, in my opinion, is sort of three in one. It has the candy store element. People walk in, they get the candy store. They move into the ice cream parlor, yep. and from the ice cream parlor, they move into the restaurant. So it's got sort of a three-in-one dinery style once they're in the but restaurant. But they hadn't captured that spirit, had they, previously? It had been captured in 1963 right. with the original stores, <laughs> but it wasn't captured with the relaunch. Right. Yeah. So they didn't get the real they essence. Went, they went very commercial when they should have kept it. I mean, they wanted to do an old-school theme, right? and they didn't stay true to that, and so they missed offering something unique yeah, they to missed the customers, that, they right? Missed that you could thematic, walk into a Seven Eleven and see half that candy. Right. They missed the thematic right. branding uh, And the experiential the feel that, that sets the tone for the ice cream parlor and the restaurant to come. For sure. Now, what's interesting is when <clears> I remember <throat> the one that I went to in Palm Springs, we had... How old were you? Oh, uh, gosh. I think I was 14 years old. Oh. Or something. Yeah. But when, when I was there... Uh, it was back in 1963, you know. <laughs> but uh, when we went to Palm Springs, they had they did in fact have the beating of the drums and stuff. And I know that Marcus got down on that. That was part of it. But he was spot on in saying that it was a bit much. It was so much over the top that you'd probably not come back unless it was a birthday. Sure. And I think now, especially, there's there's so much choice. Right. That you have to be very um, sensitive to making a lot of noise in a restaurant. Right. Even if it is a fun, loud restaurant. Yep, yep, I hear you. So I think that uh, finding that middle ground was really, uh, really important mm -hmm. in terms of the, the singing and all of that. But then bringing in the whole experience, like you say, that candy, you know, to, to walk through for a kid, it's like walking through Candyland. You right. know, it's just this amazing, magical journey. And I love candy stores. I mean, same as me. Say same as me. Same as me. Uh, when I was younger, there were a few candy stores that we would go to as, as almost an excursion. Right. And spend, you know, a couple hours going through everything. And it was great. It was fantastic. For sure. Well, I think of uh, Universal City Walk. When, uh -huh. Have you been up there and seen no, the... No, I, I haven't done the touristy thing yet up there. Oh, you got to go. I really need to. That's, I know. Yeah, that's a, that's a must-do. Yeah? Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And that candy store, when you walk in, yeah. it's just... It's it's much like what they ended up doing with Farrell's mm -hmm. in, in this episode, how they re redressed it. But you can go inside there. And it's kind of cool. It's kind of funky where they've got... Uh, you know, they've got entire dresses that are made out of the, uh, the candy, candy. Right, yeah, the, the, the candy necklaces, necklaces, remember those? Yep. That's great. So you can buy an entire dress that looks all, that looks very Miley Cyrus, but Amazing. it's at the same time it's made of these <laughs> And then uh, you candies. can go chew on it at home. You go chew on it at home. That's right. Take her home with you. Um, <laughs> but they have a lot of uh, those types of gimmicky type of mm. things. they got the, uh, you know, the big taffy, the bars of taffy right. that are like this massive. long and massive. Yeah, or yeah. the big, they, you remember they used to have those big candies, what do they call them, big daddies that are like uh, uh, car caramel and... Uh, I don't know. I'm sounding very Australian when I say caramel <laughs> instead of caramel. Caramel. Yeah. <laughs> but they've got all this big stuff, okay. super big stuff. Uh, 
So big gummy bears like this, right? Amazing. So it's just fun. It's like mm-hmm. you step into a different world. Right. And I think that's what they wanted to do with this uh, in and, its own and, and theme. That's, and that's what they did by the end of the episode. Right. To a degree. To right? a degree. To a degree. I mean, not not the way Universal does it, but, but they for Ferrell's. Yeah, yeah, but old-fashioned, mm-hmm. I think, is the thing. And, yeah. Like, when you go to a candy, you go to candy stores? Well, I, I, I mean, I... I used to. Do I haven't been to? in one for a while. Really? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> What's your problem? Where am I usually at instead? What's my problem? No, it's been a while. What's your favorite candy, candy at the candy store? Um, you know what? I like anything that's sweet and sour. So sweet I like the sweet, like the the sour pusses really? and soury type stuff. Sour pusses. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a, a sweets person. Do you like hot tamales? Yeah, I do like okay, hot tamales. Like hot yeah. tamales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, when I go, like they've always got. I, what do I love? I love uh, licorice laces, like okay. red licorice uh-huh. laces. Yeah, as long as assuming they're fresh. Assuming right? they're, if they're fresh. not, you can knock it over your head and. Uh, you know what? I kind of <laughs> like those too. Those actually are nice. <laughs> Because they got nice and hard, or you stick right. them in the freezer, make them hard. Totally. Uh, but they've got lots of old fashioned candies, but it's always the old fashioned ones that I got when I was a kid that right. are that so they kind of hook you, you in. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think, think that's, that's part of what Marcus liked about this business was the nostalgia. Exactly. And he Thank came you. in. He came in. He looked around and he said, "Okay, it's not jiving, but I believe in it. I will give you." Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Seven fifty. Fifty-one percent of oh, the business. What did you think of that? We heard that. Yeah, I yeah. heard fifty-one percent. Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And we heard and, Paul and Mike cringe. Yeah, and then it goes to commercial, and I'm like, and I looked at you, and I said, "Would you do that? You know, mm. would you give up fifty-one percent? Well, well, you'd be giving up forty-nine, but oh no, yeah, you'd be giving up yeah, fifty-one. So you're giving yeah, up right. controlling interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're really good mm-hmm. at math tonight. Yeah, <laughs> it must be That's the red my lipstick. Finance it must background. be the red lipstick you the put on. The red lips yeah. is throwing off my finance yeah. degree. <laughs> <laughs> so fifty-one uh, percent—that means you're giving up controlling interest of of the entity. Um, Would you do it? Yeah, I, you know, I think it depends. I, it depends on what type of entrepreneur you are, mm. uh, and and how much control you want to have. Obviously, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you want to have, I think these two gentlemen knew that their business was failing, right? And I think they also recognized the incredible opportunity that it would be to team up with Marcus. For sure. So with those two things to consider, yeah. I would have said yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and they have. did. And yeah. they did. And so they did. if you were them, you'd do the same thing. And I'd be in business with Marcus and right you'd now. Be in and business he'd be on with the Marcus. show. That's right. Well, he's coming on the show anyway. He's just, he's, <laughs> he's, he's just playing hard to get. Um, so, yeah, 51%. I mean, it's a tough call. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think they made the right move, though, for them. Because they were going to go down. That, they were losing ground fast, it and seemed to me. They, they, they had lost control. Yeah. Yeah. They had no cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had how much debt? It was like uh, about, uh, about two, one point nine million yeah. dollars uh, of one, debt total. total yeah, debt. shit. So one million nine hundred and forty thousand yeah. dollars in debt. Yeah, just under two million dollars in debt mm. and no cash. And Zero yeah, cash. no cash. Uh, so. so they grew way too fast. Um, so Marcus takes the numbers. He goes away. He comes back with that seven hundred fifty grand offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, wanted fifty one percent, and then he rolls out his change. He says Buena Park's going to be the template, and they close it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the relaunch, for the renovations, for the renovations, and what did what did we... you think of the renovations? I loved what they did. Mm-hmm. I loved what they... I you know I think you kind of got the same uh, feel, or at least that's what I felt from you sitting sure. next to you. Was that uh, they did a really good job with this episode? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of hit all sorts of different areas within the business to really effectively uh, effectively relaunch it. Yes. Uh, so yeah. I was I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What impressed you most what, in the terms of the changes? You know, I think I think the staff changes. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't touched on Travis yet. So oh, Travis yes. is a missing, missing uh, one of the missing peas, one of the missing people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Travis had come in as a general manager of one of the stores. Um, coming from a background with Hilton for a long yep. time. 
took a pay cut, almost a 50% pay cut, to come into this business mm -hmm. because he loved it as a child. Right. So his heart was there. But he came with a lot of experience in managing frontline business. Right. And Marcus immediately recognized that. Yeah. And immediately moved Travis into a position of more power, making him general manager of all the stores. Right. And giving him a 5% equity stake in the business. Yes. So that was the icing on the cake. Right. Or but the icing I on the ice cream in this case. The icing on the ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'm getting hungry now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I don't want you to think about ice cream for the rest of the well, episode I, I while we're doing this. I had ice cream today. Did you really? I did. I had to... So I've become slightly... Pause. Uh, you can't just pause the episode. Pause you the can't episode. do that. Yeah. I've become slightly addicted to McDonald's ice cream cones. They're pretty good. They, they, you know, and it's just I'm in the car good. all the time. And so there's always McDonald's. Yeah. You know, and it's dollar yeah. ten. You you can resist. You can overcome <laughs> you them. Can. Yeah. Yes, you can. Um, so can you imagine me and Ferrell's now with real ice okay, cream. Okay, so we're back on air now. now we're we're back okay, in. The, taking the pause, taking the pause off. off. Yeah. <laughs> she said nothing about ice cream. You're not thinking about ice cream right now. You don't want to go to Ferrell's right to Ferrell's now. Ice. It's not on your mind. Uh, what did you think of the fact that when he, Marcus first came in, yeah. Ferrell's once upon a time used to have their own recipe for their ice cream. Mm -hmm. When they relaunched in modern day times, right. they went with a bought no name brand. Right. With and, Thrifty. And Marcus wasn't too pleased to hear that. Yeah. He's, he's like, hey, you've got the recipes that are out there. This is your proprietary brand. Thank you. Right? Thank yes. you. I love it when you yes. put those right words in my mouth. Um, yes. The, the proprietary brand. Yeah. Uh, and we need to recapture that. What mm -hmm. I thought was brilliant, though, was his. And see, this is what he really does so well is. Marcus. Yeah. By yeah. taking them over to other organizations mm. that are doing various aspects of the game, whatever their game is. Yeah. And are doing it really, really well right. so that they get to expand their mm -hmm. consciousness in terms of right. how do you operate a business effectively. So he brings them over to uh, the ice cream place. What was that called? It was called Fen uh, hmm. We will find out. Fossilman's. Fossilman's ice cream. So he goes over to Fossilman's. And now, Fossilman's, Fossilman's is a warehouse that makes ice cream. Mm. Yeah. And, and they were willing to revise the original recipe so for them. Exactly. So the deal that they had with Thrifty Ice Cream was a tub of ice cream was seventeen fifty. Mm -hmm. So there was nothing special about the ice cream, and right. it was which was in stark contrast to when uh, Bob Farrell had launched it previously. Mm -hmm. um, so they were paying seventeen fifty. They were going to pay thirty dollars a tub. But what they found out was fascinating. I'm going to let you reveal oh, it because you look so fascinated. Well, by it. you know, I, I can speak to this. I'll tell yes. you why. Why? Okay. So because you're cold. Because I come from a cold weather place. That's <laughs> Right, so I'm going to bring my Canadianism into this. Um, <laughs> the ice cream, it, eh? the ice cream they found out <laughs> should be should be kept at zero degrees. Right. The people at Farrell's were keeping it ten degrees warmer than the proper temperature that ice cream should be kept at. They were serving it. What hot. meant? What that means is that they were losing twenty scoops per barrel instead of sixty scoops per barrel at the right temperature. They were only getting 40 scoops per barrel because it was soggy ice cream and it was losing its density. Right. And so they were losing quite a bit of money per tub simply because of the temperature the ice cream was being kept at. Which was fascinating. And this yes. is, so Fossilman's was going to charge them $30 per tub with the proprietary recipes. They're mm -hmm. going to make Farrell's original recipes, charge them 30 instead of 1750 right. but they were going to make as much money. It was going to it was going to work out as a wash. Right, because so, the temperature was fixed, the temperature issue. What? How fascinating is that? Yeah, so anyone that's at home, make sure your freezer is at zero. Is this and really not valid 
10 for home ice cream well, you know it must be really? no i think this i think this might be an ice cream law wow <laughs> ice, ice cream, cream temperature law, yeah. law we're gonna have to look into this <laughs> if anyone at home knows if anyone at home knows anything about ice cream temperature um uh, okay. let us know <laughs> yeah just put a hashtag on it right hashtag ice cream um and let us know about ice cream well see the thing is it's not going to break the bank for you to pay a little bit more per tub of ice cream, but it's going to break the bank for them because they're well, doing it professionally. You know, I think... Um, but who knows? You could be a professional. I don't know how much of this soft serve stuff you've really been eating. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. I've been eating a lot, people. I've been eating a lot. <laughs> uh, would you pay the few extra cents for the proprietary ice cream? Absolutely. I think you that's... Would. Yeah, I think that's okay. mission critical because the product has to now, be... Now, see, I disagree with you. Really? And I'll tell you why. Because feel, you like soft serve. Well, no. Well, yes, that's true. But... If I'm at Farrell's and I've yeah. just had a big meal yeah. with my 10 friends because I'm having my birthday party there and I'm six years old. Yes. Am I really going to know whether the Sunday that This is all a real scenario, table, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> am I really going to recognize that the ice cream Sunday that comes to my table right. that's underneath the bananas and the sauces and the whipped cream is special or not? If you're six years old, you don't... Well, I mean, you're going to notice it, if it tastes like shit, it's... Okay, well, I'm not like, saying serve shitty ice right. cream, but I am saying... But the, but that's the difference in quality. Mm. I mean, it's like a good wine right. versus, a, a you mm. know, a, a, a table wine, like an average table wine. And I can't wine. drink table wine. Yeah, no. it's a huge difference. And it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, when you when you have something incredible, mm. it's incredible. And it's just a few more standards, cents to people, capture. Standards. Yeah, it's, raise your standards, yes. Um, this this episode could be speaking about so many other things as well. Mm. Just raise your standards, right? <laughs> be like Farrell's. Um, so they went uh, to get the better ice cream. I think no, I think that that's one of the. I mean, that's so mission mm. critical, and people aren't going to notice the difference in cost with uh, for a few cents more. Right. Even and it's not going to cost them a few cents more. But even if it did. But again, this was a big fail, in my opinion, on Mike and Paul's part, because yeah. you're in the business of ice cream. You have an ice cream parlor. This is something pretty basic you should know. What temperature should I be storing this at to maximize right. my profit? But remember, neither of, of them were in the business when they came in, so they were coming mm. in without the industry-specific knowledge. But uh, I, So I understand how they got to where they were. Okay. And I think that's failing like, at 50% of their stores? Well, yeah, I mean, they, well, I mean, almost. Well, almost. They had three, yeah, so they're, they're doing a little better than that. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but they had no cash, and they had a whole lot of debt, so right. to, to your point. Um, yeah, yeah. But... You know, I understand how they got to where they did. I understand mm-hmm. why they would make the decision to now, go with the cheaper ice cream. I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But when Marcus comes in, you also get why he's able to hone in on those things. And unfortunately, whenever you hire a consultant, it's always easy to backseat drive. It's always easy. And I'm not saying Marcus's job mm-hmm. is easy because he does it extremely well. Sure. But anybody can come in and go, hey, you you know, look yeah. at where you're fucking that up or right, look at right. where that's not going for you. Or look at well, where you know where else? What, what else wasn't going for them was their food costs. So they, right. had a, they had a middleman who was negotiating their food purchasing costs. Yes. Marcus went in, eliminated the middleman, went directly to the distributor, and negotiated a $320,000 savings wow. annually on the cost of the food. 8%. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Because if you think if most businesses, you know, they're, if, the, if one would consider your business to be uh, doing really well, mm-hmm. if it had a 20 to 30% profit margin, at the end sure. of the day, if you mm-hmm. had a 30% profit margin, you go, okay, that's a, a pretty profitable I got up in the morning. Business. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, turning, you're, you're okay. making more than you'd make right. in a stock market. Mm-hmm. And you're making more than, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. 
um, it, with that, you know, you look at it, and what the hell was I just saying before that? <laughs> Sorry, we were talking. We were talking. <laughs> we're all stuck on the ice cream. On the ice cream. Oh no, we were talking about the food costs. Right. But then you look at it, and you go eight eight percent saved is mm-hmm. huge. Eight percent saved is a lot of money. And I think that a lot of business owners don't get that the little incremental changes mm-hmm. that can make all the difference in the world. And we see Marcus does understand yes. that eking out those extra points. And another thing, he eked out the menu. When he walked in there the mm. first day, had a hundred items to choose from. I know exactly what that's like. I and just I was in Sydney, Australia last week, and I went into a restaurant, and I swear to God, they had a menu with a hundred items, and I just looked at it and I glazed over, <laughs> and then I and I and then I looked at it again and I glazed over again, and then and the, it's just too much, right? Yes, you don't want to read an encyclopedia you, for dinner. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you how do you? And 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 it's funny because his his recommendation was cut it down to scale it down to twenty items. Right. And and if you think about it, twenty items is still a big choice. It is. It is. And what was interesting is once again he brought the way they got to that was by going to Mel's Diner up mm-hmm. in uh, up in Universal City Walk. Yeah. And the chef who was in charge of the I think he was in charge of the ambiance for that right. whole area yeah. or something. Um, so he uh, said that you want to get it down to twenty mm-hmm. uh, food items because you could have fifty and do them half assed right. or have twenty that you really nail that are re- you know and people remember and they want to go back for the good food now. Are you good at making menu choices? Are you quick or do you take your time? I, you know, I go back and forth. When I have a hundred items in front of me, it's very, very difficult for me. But how about you? Uh, I'm, I'm quick. Like I'll be like, okay, scan it. That. Give me that. Okay. My sister will yeah. look at the menu for thirty-five minutes, and and maybe the chicken, or yeah. maybe I should get the salad, or maybe I should get. Just pick something because I gotta go. And this is the, this is where they say time is relative, the theory of relativity. That's, that's right. why if you're sitting at the table with the person who's taking thirty minutes, yeah, that's, I, I, I've uh, already left. I'm, yeah, I'm at McDonald's with my ice cream. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what, what was fascinating to me is that Marcus made the point of saying, and I don't know if it was just kind of a throwaway point, but he said if there's twenty items on the menu, mm-hmm. people are going to take less time to decide, which means ultimately your tables will turn faster, which means more profit. Absolutely, and, and there's a lot of sense to that. I guess so. I guess so. At first, I thought, well, that's just kind of a throwaway thing. It can't be that much more profit. Although... But you know what? If you incrementally add up those seven minutes per yeah, table yeah. that they may be sitting there analyzing the menu... It's like when they say, watch sure. the, the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, there is something uh, real about that. And I just went back to being in Australia last week and looking at this menu and it did take me 20 mm-hmm. minutes before I made a decision. And it probably made you anxious. It did. A it did. It I was kind of, I was hungry. Anxious. I wanted to eat something, but I couldn't. I couldn't freaking decide. And I ended up getting a bunless burger <laughs> uh, because you know, like, then you get the protein of the burger, and you don't have to eat the bun and get all, all right. that crap. Was it, was it a good bunless burger? It was burger? a very good bunless burger. Okay. And then I went to another restaurant in the same chain uh, to meet up with somebody for lunch, yep. uh, uh, you know, kind of an acquaintance. And uh, same thing. They had the bunless burger. I went right to it. All so right. So you were time. happy with that bunless burger. Yeah. Once right. I got it, I knew it was good. Yeah. So <laughs> let's see here. So um, let's talk about Mike and his uh, dynamic with Paul a little mm. bit. What do you think about that one? You know, I think they, again, both have their hearts in the right place. Yeah. Um, my problem with Mike mm-hmm. is that any time Marcus pointed out something that was wrong or that could have been done better, right. Mike would point the finger at Paul. So Mike didn't take any ownership in any of the failings of the business. Did there seem to be even one no. that he took ownership? No. Every single one. And went if it back wasn't, Paul, if he wasn't, it? if he wasn't pointing the finger at Paul, he was pointing the finger at Sandy. If he wasn't pointing the finger at Sandy, he was pointing the finger at Shauna. Um, you're the CEO, so ultimately, in my opinion, 
you know, the buck stops with you. What a trippy yeah. thing. And then when Marcus said, what's that all about? Uh, and Mike said, oh, I guess it's an insecurity thing. And and at least he was aware enough to recognize it. He, at least he um, owned it at the end. Yeah, because he, he probably didn't even recognize it without it being put in his face, without Marcus putting it in right. his face. I don't think he did recognize it yeah. without being called on it. But he owned it. Um, but I think he seemed much happier right. in the new role that Marcus moved him to, which was taking him away from being CEO yes. and moving him to... Brand. Brand. Selling the brand. Rep, You're going to be all about brand the brand. That's kind of guy. That kind of means you don't have a job because we can't <laughs> trust you. We're going to put you over here in brand. No, just but, kidding. But, no, no. Um, I actually mean it. But, <laughs> but um, you know what's interesting? And th- this is a dynamic that I think we can explore is this whole blame dynamic mm. inside of business. Mm-hmm. And if you get into that blaming, mm-hmm. that dynamic is going to prevent you from ever getting your business right. If it's always this person's fault or that person's fault and you've always got the finger pointing out someplace else. We've heard before that whenever there's one finger pointing out, there's always three pointing back at us, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So until we get, until we take responsibility for what's happening there, mm-hmm. then we can't get the learnings we need to change the situation and create something different. So they were in a, uh, I, I like to call it a, a fucked up place. Uh, that means in a, <laughs> How do you a very, really feel? Yeah, how do you really feel? How do you really feel? They were in a very stuck place yeah. that if you, if they didn't have Marcus come in, what do you think they would have ended up? Oh, honestly, oh, they no. This whole thing was failing. It was it, that yeah. was headed on a trajectory that was very bad. It really was. They yeah. were they were at their wits' end. I think they were very lucky to get Marcus in there when they did. Yeah, because I think even six months down the road, it, it wasn't going to make it. No, no, that type yeah. of a, a, a yeah. but uh, that comes back to character for me though. How so? Um, in terms of having, you know, bl- bluntly having the balls to acknowledge when you have fucked up. Right. Right? So the fact that, you know, if I make a mistake, I really yeah. think I have the integrity to say, hey, I made a mistake. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I just found it was a little bit shady on Mike's part that he wasn't owning any of it. Well, some of it, uh, and, uh, you know, once again, I like uh, I kind of put myself in his position and I get it. it I think yeah. it's a weakness of character rather than, and so you could look at it like being a character defect. Sure, rather okay. Than, well. But no, but, I, but to, to your point. I think it's a weakness of character that, uh, and uh, by the, and this is not throwing it on him. I have plenty of my own character weaknesses. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, but it's a weakness you have of character. A lot. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for. Yeah. But, but it's a weakness of character, which if he doesn't move through that, he mm-hmm. will never ever be able to manage his relationships. Do you think he well. learned a lesson here? Um, you know, I think that Marcus had to get him out of the position more than than teaching him a lesson at mm. that point. Um, so I, whether he learned the lesson or not still remains to be seen. But at least uh, Marcus cleared up the problem. Right. Okay. You know, what do you think? Yes. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so we have, uh, so that dynamic was cleaned up. What about the dynamic between Sandy mm. and... Uh, Sandy and Shauna. Shauna, yeah. So Sandy and Shauna. Sandy was the director of marketing. Oh, Sandy, baby. And Shauna was the HR merchandising yes. candy store woman. Yes. They did not like each other. Right. Um, it was very evident to me and it was very evident to Marcus. Now, Shauna was the daughter of Mike. Sandy. Yes. Shauna was the daughter of Mike, right. Yeah. Um... And Seth yes. begat Abel, and Abel begat Sandy. Right. <laughs> you know, Shana was and the then, daughter of Mike, yes. And then David came in. And then David came in, <laughs> yes, and slew them all. Um, so, yeah, so they didn't so they, like each they other. They didn't like each other. Um, the Shauna, the daughter of Mike, who right. was the marketing manager, director, uh, actually was very good at her job, mm-hmm. but kept running into a roadblock because she was subordinate to Sandy. Right. And Sandy was old school, didn't want to change anything, didn't want to listen to new ideas, didn't want to hear about creativity, 
and it was to the detriment of the store. Right. And so Marcus came in, recognized this, and said, wait a minute here. Sandy, we're going to move you away from the store. Mm-hmm. We're going to promote, to a degree, um, Shauna yep. and give her 100% ownership of marketing. Right. Leave her the store and move these women apart from each other, which I think made both Just of them happier. Get the women apart from right? each other. Stop the catfighting. Move cat them yeah. apart. So yeah, and the, and it worked. It did work. Yeah, it worked uh, miraculously, even. Mm-hmm. But then once again, you get to the people issues and how the people issues in business can be so they can either well, it's a business, it's, they, it's they, they can either uh, yeah they can yeah. either pull you down and spiral you downward to greater depths of despair and the business falling apart. It's like a whirlpool, like a boat. Mm. Whoosh, if you need a visual image, you're sucking it down to the bottom of the sea. Or it can, you know, if you got your people issues working, you can perform at high levels. Yes. So um, the the dynamic there, though, of Sa- first there was Shauna not being able to to make her own calls. Mm-hmm. That's, and, that has to be frustrating. Yeah, that's got to be frustrating. Um, because if you want to make changes and you want to, you you're, you're given a title that you can't act on, right? What's the point? Yeah. And then you come to work and you're not motivated. Yeah. And you're annoyed and you're angry and you're projecting all of this negativity. You're right. It just, it brings the whole thing into that. So when they've got the title, but not the power. Right. Right. And then Mm -hmm. there was, what did you feel about Shauna? Like, and you used uh, the term that was so well put, having the balls. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about it? No, but having the balls. It's, see, this is a nighttime show. We, we were at 4 p.m. before. And now we're, we're, at, uh, we're on the internet. We can say what we yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that nice? <laughs> um, but uh, about Shauna having the balls to step up and really kind of uh, mm. delineate and, and, and set some boundaries herself in terms of where she was going to operate and how she was mm. going to do it. She, do you feel that she had... A personality. I think she was just that... no. I think she's just young. Uh, just young. Yeah, oh. I think I think if we gave her another five years, she would have had the um, the, the confidence right. to stand her ground. Well, the, and it was also the fact to that point. Also, uh, Sandy was in charge of her. Right. Which was weird. That was weird. Why would you put the head of HR in charge of the head of marketing? Right. That made no sense. No, and it and it stifled the business. Right. You know. Yeah. And the candy shop sucked. The candy shop was doing... <laughs> but what I... You know what? Sorry, go yeah. ahead. I, I interrupted no, you. No, you go. You go. You I was going to so say, what killed me was the fact that Shauna, I mean, Sandy, who yeah. was the, the, the candy store woman, right. um, just refused to recognize that there needed a change to be made. It was weird. She refused. It was weird, wasn't it? You know, it? she just was like, no, it's fine. It's it fine. Strange. It's fine. I'm thinking... It so... was like one of those uh, horror movies where, right. you know, the aliens come and take over yeah. your body and... Uh, that's Maybe. right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. this is, you know, they were making $6,000 a month in sales. Right. It was 2000 from the candy. But I have to say, 2000 yeah. from the candy and 4000 from... From the ice cream uh, parlor? Uh, no, it was 4000 from, um, I think, just kind of souvenir type stuff. Okay, okay. But th- that's ridiculous. Ridiculously that's, low. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because candy is a high margin uh, exactly. item. Yeah, and too. you would think they should be... You'd, you'd want to be moving so much candy oh, yes. through that place. You'd want everybody that walked in to walk out with a basket like right. they were putting at the end mm-hmm. to walk out. You know, that yes. you want them... Right. You know, there, there shouldn't be a table that walks out without buying some candy. Right, absolutely. And you'd think that they'd have marketing happening to fire that up where, you know, get your bag of candy right now, get 20% right. off Buy on one the for table. Your friend, Buy right? one for a friend. Mm-hmm. Get your candy a monthly. We're right. going to send you a monthly package, <laughs> you know, from Farrell's. I don't know, but they, you'd think that they'd be moving that like crazy. Mm-hmm. And that was really a stuck point when they came in. Yeah. 
Yeah. We got about five minutes left. What uh, right. What do you think we should cover here in the final five minutes? Takeaways. I mean, my takeaway yeah. would be to really make sure you have the right people in the right positions. Right. Um, that's very key. And I think also when you're operating uh, multiple stores, figure out what your weakest link is and how best to attack that. It's like a chain, right, right where they say your weakest link is... is your weakest is link. your weakest link. Yeah. Chain's <laughs> so only as strong as a weakest tonight. link. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty I'm profound. So profound. So please write that down. Hashtag your weakest link is your weakest link. And but, uh, but, but that for me was, you know, identify what is failing. Right. Figure out what you need to do to make it not fail. See, that, I was reminded of uh, Jack Welch from GE when he said that, you know, his job was to get the right people on the on the bus and the wrong people off the bus. Mm. And he would look at any place where any kind of uh, territory where they weren't number one or number two in their marketplace should just be closed and uh, that was the first thing that i thought when we heard about the five stores it wasn't seven it was actually five there were actually 11 commandments it wasn't 10 actually 11 (laughs) but moses broke that plate right no so there were uh so when we heard about those and we heard that two were doing so poorly Mm -hmm. and the rest were subsidizing them it was like well they ended up at zero Right, because they were taking the profits from the one store right. to feed the failing store exactly. and ending up really, what's the point? So why would you do it? Yeah, so, right. yeah, exactly. So if Buena Park is keeping Rancho Cucamonga open, mm-hmm. why? What's the point? So my first thought was, okay, get rid of those two mm-hmm. and, and focus on the others, but uh, which they ended up coming around to in the end anyway. And mm-hmm. Travis, my man, here, mm-hmm. high five to Travis. High five, Travis. Tra- high five, Travis. Travis was the one to call it. Uh-huh. Which was fascinating. Yes. And, you know, Marcus knew it in advance. You knew he knew it. Yeah. But it was fascinating that he called Travis in and got Travis to and be now, the one who now said Now, Travis it. was the youngest, newest, most, in theory, inexperienced mm-hmm. under Paul and Mike. Right. And yet Travis is well aware of what needs to be done to save this business. Yeah. So. And so we, I, I think the highlight and the spotlight went on Travis mm-hmm. and appropriately so. Marcus effectively resituated everything, yeah. got the right people in the right roles, right people on the bus. Mm-hmm. Wrong people off of the bus in terms of where they were located and what their right. uh, jobs were. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a fantastic first episode. I thought Loved it was it. a great first episode. Yes. It had all of the uh, all of the elements that make a good profit episode. Absolutely. And, yeah. I, and you know, this season for us here on AfterBuzz, we're going to be bringing, we got uh, two minutes to wrap here, but what I want to say is we're going to be bringing, we want the business owners to come on. Because oh, we would love, it, yes. anyone that's California-based, we'd love to have you on here now because the time. we would love to chat with you about your experience with Marcus. Absolutely. And, uh, and the changes that he's made in your business. Yes, so and we're going to use you for up. leverage to get uh, Marcus on the show too. And and we can even if you're not California based, we can Skype sure. you in. So oh, feel absolutely. free to reach out to us. Um, and uh, I think with that, we'll close it off. Where can people right. find you, Katarina? All right. So I'm confused as to where you can find me now. <laughs> on Twitter at Kazias Katarina. On Instagram at Katarina Kazias. I'm happy to gab with you anytime. She is. She likes to gab. I'm Chris Howard. You can reach me at Chris Howard Live on Twitter and Instagram. Also go to LegendaryLivingDaily.com. Download that. It's mm-hmm. daily motivation, inspiration, entrepreneurial tips, and LegendaryLivingTV.com for YouTube. And with that, from AfterBuzz TV, make sure to give us five stars here. Five you need stars. It. Sign up. up. Sign up for the like uh, iTunes uh, downloads. <laughs> and, uh, and make sure that you check us out every week right here. Right, uh, seven o'clock each night, right? Or see you seven o'clock yeah, Pacific. Seven o'clock on Tuesdays. On Tuesdays. Good see night. You From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. 
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.